0: Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it is an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back, Mixus Church Family Online, and today we are going into our second week on our five-week series where we're establishing the five foundational characteristics of a healthy family. Now again, this could be talking about your personal family, this could be talking about your church family, this could be talking about your work, school, neighborhood family. We all have families that we are connected to, and so how can we become a better family member. Last week, we discovered that truly trust is the foundation to any relationship. And ultimately, in order to be a trustworthy person, we must be trusting fully in God. And now this week, we're going to be talking about something that probably nobody really likes to talk about, and that is humility. We all struggle with humility. And so what exactly is Humility, how would you define humility? Humility has so many different definitions, and depending on your circumstance even, humility could be different. I kind of like how C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That might be a little a play on words and maybe a little bit confusing, But so often we think of a humble person as a person who lays down, gets kicked around, and just kind of is a servant, is a slave to other people. But in fact, I think a truly humble person is in fact a very strong person. A person who lays down their personal preferences for the betterment of somebody else. It's laying down your desires to help somebody and lift them up up. I love how Paul wonderfully explains this in the book of Philippians, and he relates it to how Jesus became a humble being and came in the form of a human person. And so, if we want to turn, we're going to read from the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 8, and we'll see that. Amazing example of what it means to be a humble person. He starts out right away in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, He Himself emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when He had come as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming even further obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Kind of went on there, but man, what a what a beautiful example of what humility looks like. It's putting others' needs above yourself. Considering others as equal in importance as yourself. That's hard to do. In fact, he even went as far as saying... We must humble ourselves to the point of dying for other people, as Jesus did. Now, that is radical humility, going to the point of where we would even put ourselves in the line of fire in order to save a person, to think of somebody that far out. You would even do it for an enemy, as Jesus did for His enemies. That is radical humility. And it is one of the reasons why it is so hard to do, right? Because who in their right mind would do that for somebody else? It it might do it for our family, maybe for a close friend. But to do it for an enemy like Jesus, that's radical humility. But I think there is something even further on why we choose not to go down the line of humility. And Paul highlights it right away in verse 3. It's because of selfishness. We, by nature, are born selfish. You're selfish. I'm selfish. We're all selfish, and it is a form of pride. We all fight pride, right? Everything inside of us fights against putting other people ahead of ourselves. So you and I, we struggle with pride. Now, it might look different for you than it does for me. I'll never forget how I've battled pride in my own life, and it was even more predominant when I was a younger adult. But man, pride crept up so often in my workplace. Now, I worked as a frozen dairy manager right out of high school And I'll never forget how many times my manager would come up to me, especially during those peak times when you know you're going to be more busy. It's always Thanksgiving and Christmas. Those are the big two in the frozen and dairy and the grocery business world. And it's always things like Cool Whip and butter and eggs. And so I'll never forget how she would always come up to me and she'd say, do you have everything you need? Is there anything you think you're going to run out of? oh no, we've got this, I know I planned this out right, it's going to be okay. I can't tell you how many times the first three, four, even five years of working as a frozen or a dairy manager where I was running to another store, sometimes a half hour away, on my own time to pick up things like Cool Whip and loading up my truck as full as I could get it so that I could have enough and we wouldn't run out. Pride does so much to destroy us. We're selfish people. We don't want to admit that we have a need. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to look unprepared. And so we run around and we act like we've got it all together. We don't want to put anybody At a higher place than us. In fact, we see this in the life of Jesus' own followers. It's just not something that we struggle with, it's something that the mighty men of faith of old struggled with. Take a look, if you will, with me to Mark chapter 10, and we'll see Jesus' own disciples, the guys who walked with Jesus, right? These are the guys that were with him day in and day out, nonstop, and they struggled just like you and I, with pride, with selfishness, with wanting to look better than others. And so in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, we read this. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. Well, that's a little bit of selfishness. That's a little bit of pride. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And They answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup I'm to drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Man, we're these arrogant guys. Jesus said to them, well, you're going to drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, which is death, but to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John, and Jesus called them over and said to them, right, after." Back and forth. I mean, this is not the only time we read this. They are going back and forth. And Jesus says, Come on, guys, listen up. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high position act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. This is not the way of a follower of Jesus. Here it is. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. That's humility. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. I love this part. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Right, Just going right along with what we just read from Philippians and Paul's own words. Jesus came to give His life. He never came to be served. We don't see Jesus having people coming and bringing Him stuff constantly. He's going and He's doing the healing. He's doing the serving. And this is God Himself. Jesus is so clear. If you want to be great, if you want to be a healthy family member, wherever you're located in life, we must become humble. We must be a servant. Now, you might be saying, oh, man. (laughs) Let's be real. That is a hard task Jesus is asking us to do. I mean, to live the life that Jesus lived? Who can do that? I can't, you can't. This is crazy stuff. How do we do that? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. It can't. We're not Jesus. We're on a path to become more like Jesus, but we'll never be Jesus on earth. And so we must begin one step at a time to develop the gift of love. For you and I to be able to put others first and serve them in humility, we've got to find the gift of love. Only love can do this kind of thing. We can't serve if we don't love someone. Love comes from the heart, and out of the heart we will then be able to serve. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How did Jesus love? He gave himself up on the cross. He took all of our pain. He took all of the sins that we deserve to be punished for. He took them. That is love. Humility and love go hand in hand. You can't be a humble person and put other people above yourself if you don't have love. Unconditional love is a prerequisite for humility. (laughs) But love just doesn't come. You just can't wake up one day or pray and just immediately have Just this ability to love people and to put their needs above yourself. So how do you do that? Where does that come from? How do you get to the point where you can love others and give up your rights to serve them? Where does that come from? How can you become a loving person to your spouse or to your kids or to your coworkers or classmates? How can you look at that person who has hurt you and been a bully to you and a jerk and ripped you off? How can you serve them? How can you get that kind of love to do that for somebody? Friends, there's only one way. It is through Jesus. Only Jesus can give you the love you need to love others. It can't be something that you just put on that, those gloves and you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to love them. I'm going to get that grit and go. It doesn't happen that way. You must spend time and develop that love for God. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4. We, we see a very good explanation from John's pen of how we can develop love through Jesus. 1 John 4, verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. If you know God, you're going to have love. But on the converse, if you don't have love, you simply don't have God. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His love by, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. God paved the way by loving us. And now because of that, we have the gift of love in us. God's revealed that to us. He's released that to us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Let me say that again. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. This is how we know it. We have love. And how do we get that love? It's through Jesus, but how is it given? How is that avenue to us from God? Listen to this. He has given us of his spirit. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that's been released in us because of Jesus going to be with the Father and because the Father sent the Holy Spirit into our lives on the day of Pentecost he released that for all people who call in the name of Jesus we have the Holy Spirit now in us to have the love required to be humble. To be a servant, to place others above ourselves. C.S. Lewis put it this way He says, When we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be all that God desires us to be. We have it all. We don't have it immediately. Because we are a work in progress. The Holy Spirit is given to the fullest. But unfortunately, we don't tap into it all right away. It's available. It's there. It's a gift. But we have to open it. And it happens gradually over time. It's always there. The power to love others is always there. It's immediately given that ability you have that I have to love others to be Putting them above your own knees is always there. It's always there. It's always available. But you have to receive it. You have to allow it to engulf your whole life and slow down and see people the way God sees them, to love them the way He loves them. And ultimately, ultimately that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so my encouragement for you today, my challenge for you today is in order to do something like humility and putting other people first, we first must spend time with God. We must first pray, God, help me. Help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to feel what you feel towards them. And then... Help me to love them the way you love them. You see, that's step three, right? We can't go to, I'm just going to be a humble person and just love people that are a jerk to me. Like, first, you have to foresee them and understand who they are and what's going on in their life. Then you you must turn on that hat of empathy and say, okay, God... I don't feel a whole lot. I see that maybe they've had some bad things happen in their life. Maybe you know, maybe their parents were jerks to them, and that's why they're a jerk, right? I, I understand that, but that doesn't help me to love them. I have to now get that heart and say, I feel that pain. They're still a jerk to me, but I feel, I feel love for them. And then as you've been praying, spending time with God, letting Him fill you up, letting Him put the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you have the power not only to love that person, but to care for that person and serve that person. So maybe you have somebody in your life that you could do that for. It starts with praying. Whoever that is in your life, start praying and say, God, I need to love that person They've done a lot of bad things to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand why they do what they do to me, but I want to love them. Help me to develop that love and help me to find a way that I can treat them with love the way you treated me. You see, Jesus, he came. And when he came, we were his enemies. We were his enemies. We've done everything possible in our capabilities to push God away from us in our evil, in our telling lies, being disrespectful. But God loved us, that He forgave us and humbly, humbly took our place so that we could be with the Father. So who is that for you? Understand that this isn't going to be easy. This isn't a light switch that you just flip on. It's going to be a process. Give it time. Don't stop loving them because here's the deal. Every relationship you have will go through this kind of situation where somebody's going to offend you. It's your job to lay yourself down. Say, I'm going to love them anyway. So I want to close our time by praying for you and praying for the person that God puts on your heart, that you will be able to be that agent of reconciliation. Just like God was for you, he sent Jesus down to be that agent of reconciliation so that you could be right with God. That's what you can be for another person. You can lay yourself down to love that person. And so, Father, I pray... For these people listening today, God, that you would give them a heart for that person, God, who has wronged them. Even if it's just a simple little thing, we've all been wronged by somebody. So, God, every person in our life, we could be an agent of reconciliation for. So, God, I just pray that that person that you're putting on the heart of the person listening today, I pray that you would give them an ability to understand the struggles that person faces. That they would be able to then love them the way you love them. And out of that love, that they would be able to serve them the way you served us. God, fill them right now with your Holy Spirit so that they can be successful and understand that when we serve, we become mighty in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen amen. Well, thank you for joining us again this week. We pray that you will have a, a great week and that you would go with God and He will go with you. Amen.
1: All the poor. Cheers. Yeah.